0: All right, if you have a Bible, turn to John 15. If not, it's in our bulletin. These are the words of Jesus Christ I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants. so that you will love one another. The word of the Lord.
1: Good morning, Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, as we continue in the book of John, um, last week uh, we explored the necessity and wonder of the gift of the Holy Spirit given to believers. Believers. And one major reason this gift was so important to people who would come to believe in, in Christ was that they would live, Christians, believers, especially those who were the first group to come from Christ, would live in a world of people and philosophies and religiosity even that would, as Jesus put it, hate on them. And for these disciples who would have to face the world without their Lord Jesus being bodily present anymore, these last few teachings of Jesus in John were very important to them. And now for those of us who are in this world as his people who, or those of us who one day will become his people, Jesus offers us comfort in these last chapters and teachings of John. And now these words have become imperative, right? That for, for us to listen to and take in. If we, if we are going to remain and stay encouraged and, and believing in the faith. As I pointed out last week, Jesus is teaching his disciples and us that this world's opposition to Christianity, our own beliefs of Christianity, that, that the world's opposition to it would be so severe That it would be impossible for such an invisible faith to stay relevant to us in this world. Simply put, Christianity is weak on paper. It has no physical still here Savior Jesus. It has an invisible Holy Spirit. It's, It's often too exclusive. It's not like other moral and righteous religions. And thus it will be easy to, to marginalize this faith and, and slip and hide it and, and fall in love with the world and make your faith more acceptable to you and the world so, so you don't have to suffer and be made to feel silly. That is exactly what happened to many of the Jews before Jesus came. It may not be obvious to us as it would have been to the hearers and readers back then, but, but the vine and the branch illustration were symbols for the Jewish people of their relationship with God that, that supernaturally God did his thing and showed himself and showed his character on earth through the lives and faith of the Jews as people and the fruit of their lives. And that that should have been their claim to fame. That that in this crazy world, despite its allure and anti-godness, that God could work through his people. But when his people injured, deceived... Allured by the world around them decided, like the rest of the nations, that they could be happier and stronger and more beautiful and, and successful and accepting according to this world without him and just, just make God their, their Sunday conversation or their Sunday cultural thing. The relationship dried up and they got cut off from and by God. Back in the day, they would know according to the illustration Jesus uses here about branches being cut off and thrown in a fire that you could do nothing with vine branches. I just just learned this. I'm not, you know, in the trees and plants and all that stuff. That branches from vines are only good for one thing if they dry up and stop bearing fruit, being cut off and thrown in the fire, that you could do nothing but vine branches except use them as fuel for fire. They are not good for construction or anything else. But before we wrongly make this passage about God being a head coach, or corporate boss who wants to cut or fire you. Jesus said this to comfort these Jews who were his disciples, that he was the true vine, that that he was actually the link back to God. He was the way to divine purpose for human beings. He was life. He was hope regained. He was redemption. He was the vine that, that grew up supernaturally out of a spiritual stump of people's lives that were cut off, that Jesus came to reach us and intervene, that he was a divine intervention that would not only save us but keep his people glorifying and knowing the love of God and as the true vine not the religious self-righteous vine Not the human philosophy vine, not the we're going to try our best vine, but Jesus is the true vine. You and I, who are is, can make it, and we will bear God, gospel fruit in this dark world if we, number one, abide or remain in Him, and number two, He abide and remain in us. That we abide or remain in Him, and secondly, that he abide and remain in us. So, what does it mean for us to abide in the vine who is Jesus? It is a matter of obedience and love. And you know, let me tell you, as I wrote this sermon, when I got to this point, I knew it was going to be an unpopular and less than exciting point. Sometimes I'm writing and I'm thinking, I don't want to hear this either. I'm getting tired just writing the thing, right? It's like sometimes this this is going to come across possibly like eating a dry turkey sandwich and vegetables. No mayo, just dry. But here's the point. We abide and remain and stay in Jesus through obedience. There we are, obedience. Man, I came to church to hear something good. I don't hear nothing but no obedience. Look what Jesus says here in verses 7 through 12. Let's look at it together. Let's see whether Jesus really likes serving turkey sandwiches with no mayo. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love if you keep my commandments. You will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, there's a lot up in there. We're going to go back through and look at it. But what I want to pull out is that Jesus is calling us to abide in him by obeying him obeying his word, listening to him, obeying the commandments, right? That the relationship between us and God through him is affected and remains healthy and bears fruit according to our obedience. Let me break it down this way. You can't do your own thing your own way and be your own vine and be a fruitful branch. You and I can't be divine and the branch, too, right? We must follow and fall into line with the branch if we are to abide in and be his people. It's that simple. And that happens when we say, You are divine, we the branch, we obey and follow your commandments. But Jesus takes obedience to another interesting place for us. Look at what he says here again in verse 9. As as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy might be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Okay, so the context of all of this is that follows we experience hardship and sorrow and hatred and sin in this world and in our own hearts. But Jesus is declaring that those who obey his commandments will also experience joy and love of God over and against everything you experience in this world. Now we're getting, getting a little juice on that turkey sandwich. Because we're talking about love now, right? We all love love and joy. This is what we've been waiting for, right? You know why many of us, but hear this up. You know why many of us are walking around in poor, fruit bearing sorrow, depression, beat down, never satisfied, self centered, can't seem to connect to or worship or enjoy God, feeling like a motherless or fatherless child, always discontent and sad, and we call that suffering for Jesus, right? Because we are not following and falling in obedience to what God is saying. My joy is will be made complete in you. My joy will be given to you as you abide in the vine. You know why many of us as believers are just suffering? If you are an unbeliever or a believer uh, and, and a believer living in disobedience, as you try to be happy on your own outside of the vine, The joy Jesus promises will be less, and the love of God will come with doubt in your own mind. You will actually begin to question the love and joy of being his or or, or yourself and and be tempted to call this whole Christianity thing a farce or or just make it a Sunday conversation or or not following and abiding, not obeying. In this world, let me tell you what happens. If we don't follow and abide and obey, you and I will lose heart. And it all comes back to remaining and biting the vine with obedience to what God says, to his commandments and to his truth that he has given us in the Bible. So if you don't know what Jesus says, if you don't know what Jesus said was true, if you don't know the commandments and what they're all about, by all means, find out. Go to a community, come to church on a regular basis. I actually talk about it sometimes, right? Get and read your Bible. Seek out an elder or a man, a woman, shepherd or a deacon. Abide in that truth so you can remain and walk in obedience. Understand the joy Jesus is talking about is not some superfluous kind of, you know, extra added whipped cream and cherry on top. You need that kind of joy that he's saying you get when you abide in him to make it in a world that's less than joyful. But let's be careful here because it was not Jesus' intention to create a religion of just drive through, you do your part, do what I ask, obedience. And people take these scriptures. If you do what I say do you do, it says it, Right? Ask whatever you will of the Father, and it shall be given unto you. And so we create this, this sort of, you know, give and take relationship with God. You know, I make my order at the window, I pay my money, I get exactly what I want, and if I don't, I can come back, right? Mad. That's the angry parking space, the one right at the end of the drive through. when you look in your bag and you don't have what you want. You go in that parking space. <laughs> and trust me. If they forget to put cheese on something or they left out some ketchup or, oh, oh leaving out a straw. And you know the cups you need a straw. And I've tried to kind of drink it out the little hole in the middle. It don't work. And you've got to go back for a straw because some teenage, oh, my. And I love teenagers. But some of y'all shouldn't be working a drive-thru, texting. <laughs> What's your order? Cutting up and I see you cutting up, and I'm getting upset that you're cutting up and working, right? Then I drive off and don't have my straw. Okay, this ain't got nothing to do with the sermon. I've just just got some beef today. Maybe this happened yesterday at Chick-fil-A. It's my pleasure to serve you. It's my pleasure if you give me a straw. Doggone Christian chicken, can't give you no straw. It's Christian chicken if you get the straw, and I don't act like a Christian come back in with all kind of words on my mouth and in my head. Now, I don't let it out to them, but, you know, just between me and God. Okay, that's not working. All right, so what's the point? The point is this. Our relationship with God is not a drive-through. It's not to order God around because we paid the right amount. I know you heard and recognized as we read this passage that there is this link Jesus makes between obedience, and he says it a million times, love. Ooh, Christianity gets real complicated now. It's not like the other religions of the world where your perfect response and obedience gets you what you want and makes that God do what you want. Oh, it's more complicated than that. It's more supernatural than that. It, 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 it's, it, it's what Jesus is saying, he, he, is, he, he is saying that this kind of abiding in him is not a mechanical, just do what he says relationship. It is a relationship, like one between a daughter and sons and their father God and, crazy enough, friends. Look with me at verse 14 here. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from the Father, I have made known to you. Here's the flip here. We show love for God by obeying him. We show we have a relationship. You start throwing words like love or relationship, it gets real, you know, we'll you can't put a mechanical, physical thing on it, right? We, we, we have relationship with God, and we show we have relationship with God by obeying Him, but we must and can only abide in Him if we, now hear this now, if we obey out of love and friendship for God. Oh, my goodness. Why can't you just give me the Ten Commandments and let me follow? You know, if I miss one, you know, send me to detention is pretty easy. If I miss one out of the 10, that's a 90, right? Now you want me to love you too? I got to get a 90 and a smiley face because I love God. It's not enough. There's this praise song out there that came a while back. I am a friend of God. Oh, I love that song. It's exciting. you be jumping up, singing it so nonchalantly. We're a friend of God. And it's a pretty catchy, encouraging song and thought, but think about it for a minute. Let's be, let it be as weighty as it should be and not like the music suggests. Believers should be good friends to God, right? Okay, let me rephrase that. You should respond to the will and commands and requests of God like a friend, like someone who loves God. In fact, Jesus says this. Read very carefully. and Look at verse 13. Greater love has no end than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. Now, I'm going the human-to-God direction right now. There is a God-to-human friendship thing that's primary here, but we'll get that to that in a minute. Love of a friend is laying down your life for the other, right? So he is saying friendly love for God is gladly, joyfully giving your life over to his will. Living our lives and doing all we do with God do with God and consideration and importance to let God have his way with and in you and me. I told y'all about the the refrigerator test of friendship. Right? I'm your friend, and I act like your friend if I can go all the way in your house and straight to your fridge. And I try it to test. So if you want to know whether you're a friend of the pastor, if you want to make sure just let me go straight to the fridge. It's a rude way of figuring it out, but God's kind of rude too. He just come right on in your life. What you got in here, right? I mean, it, it, is, it, is, it is what God does. And so a friend says, come all the way to the fridge. Use the microwave. Get your own glass, right? Even get it out the china closet. Wait, wait a minute. You know, get, get, get a plate heat up, whatever you want, macaroni and hot dogs, whatever you need, go ahead and get it. And so our understanding of friendship, though, is so selfish. We got to attack this as Americans. I'm telling you, it's hard, especially Christian Americans. We messed this up badly, and we're going to get to some of this not today. Tonight. Yeah, today. Tonight sounds better. That's my mom said, whether it's morning. Tonight, something's going to go down. Like, something about it being tonight, even though it's morning. Anyway, moving on. Our understanding of friendship is so selfish that we fail to realize that when Jesus calls disciples and calls those who follow Jesus, friends of God, that he is saying we must, like any good friend, be willing to happily, graciously, joyfully give access to God to all our lives, to our stuff, to our closets. We abide by asking, inviting, and welcoming, and wanting God into our lives, wanting to be with him and spend time with him and communicate to him and please him. And that's what drives our obedience. Jesus is saying then that abiding in me is not only obeying and following God, but liking and loving and wanting to follow God. Here's a crazy statement that I think describes responding in friendship and sonship with God because the respect is still there. I'm a friend of God? Okay, yeah. Okay, That's no small thing, right? Loving friendship. Means and demands with God. You must like to have to do it. And you have to like to do it if you love God. There's no choice in obedience. It's obedience. That's what he demands. And love. Grumpy obedience to Jesus is not abiding. Abiding that's working. And Jesus says what? I no longer call you servants. Because slavery-based obedience, earning or else, getting your blessing obedience, is not abiding or trusting. That's worldly fear and consumerism. But Godly abiding is freedom to love and serve and like God with a deep respect and joy and winsomeness. I like when they do these personality tests, you know, one question they ask to see what kind of person is, you know, does it energize you to do whatever? Does it energize you to serve God? Does it energize you to obey the Lord? You feel a love when you obey. And when you obey, do you feel love? If we can't answer that question, the answer is not to try hard or go on a weekend retreat or to the mountains. It's determined whether you are abiding, remaining, trusting, and piped into the vine. The true vine. The trueness of the vine. The gospel message of the vine. But abiding uh, by loving God is only part of it, because the Bible tells us that you can't declare to love God and not love what? Each other. The two go hand in hand. It's an extra value meal. I got food on the mind. What is wrong with me? I'm in love with fast food these days. I can't. I I think I might love fast food more than God. I mean, I'm having a hard time. But anyway, like an extra value meal, right? You get the burger and you get the fries. You can't love God and not love each other. That's what Jesus is saying. You can't abide in me and say you're abiding in me and loving God and can't love each other. It don't work like that. Because the Bible tells us, Jesus taught in his ministry that the commandments are summed up in this way, that we must love your Lord your God with these is the commandments summed up, We love the, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and strength, and still about loving God. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the commandments. Okay, look at verse 12 through 17. See what Jesus says here. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. You, my friends, if you do what I command, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from the Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I choose you, chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide So that whatever you ask in my Father's name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Abiding, remaining, connecting with God is directly influenced and tied to connecting, remaining, and loving each other. I'm a part of this. I've helped nurse this. So I'm not talking as someone judging this. This is what I've done. Our Christianity over the years has has and continues to be a selfish faith selfish. Think about Jesus, but we present a selfish faith where you can do church on TV, online, where church is just a drop-in, where no one does vow and live out responsibility to and knowledge of each other. Church has become this Target, Walmart-esque thing where your relationship with Jesus is best measured with how you feel about him and he feels about you and how he gives you and your family all that you want, and that is just part of it. And to have just that part, the consumeristic, oh, I'm getting on my knees, man, everybody loves me, part of it is risk of not truly being a part. Because you shop at Target and Walmart doesn't mean you have stock in Target or Walmart. Just because you can get everything your heart desires at Target or Walmart does not mean it pays dividends to your life in the way someone who really is invested We must have friendly community to abide in Jesus. And I'm not talking about you having a relationship with the pastor and elders. Some of us have that kind of relationship, right? Where your connectiveness is based upon how we care for you, the elders and pastors care for you, and how much we call and personally know and answer you, but about who calls you friend. And you can call friend based on how, hear this now, you have laid down your life for them, not them for you. This is the love Jesus is talking about. Not why doesn't anyone love me and befriend or call me. But how do I love and befriend others? I've not seen a scripture yet. You know what Christianity is about? Who loves you? That ain't Christianity. And yet, half and most of the churches set up is hey, like we're here to show you love. So come on in, you know, because the goal is for you and your family to feel loved. Christianity ain't never been about that. You feel the love because Christianity calls you to come in and do and sacrifice and do the loving. Many of us are alone because we are selfish branches. We measure our being loved by how hard people move towards us or how much attention we get from the leadership. Name three people or families or friends in this church who would say you are loving them. Name three. You're loving them. Whom you, whom you have made a sustained attempt to just care for. Love and friendship is a sacrifice of your time and risk of not being accepted. Now if you reach out and are rejected and then, then come to the leadership. We love God and grow in our faith. We are only able to bear fruit when we branch out to relationship with others in the church and other believers and when others do to us open up and share the love and wealth of Jesus whether it's stuff we are sharing or, or if it's emotions or life stage. Are you abiding or remaining in the vine, the true vine? Who and how how are you loving who you loving, and how are you loving and befriending them? And I know that when I present friendship and loving each other like that, many of us will feel guilty and angry. Because you're thinking, you know, he's just saying that because I feel like I'm not being loved and I've complained. And 99 percent of you are selfish. And you think, you know, many of you, you think you're special. Remember the illustration? It's a tree, man. One tree. And there's only one special thing in the tree. The true vine. One true vine. You are a branch with many other intertwined branches with all kinds of problems. You are not special. Though, you know, I've been hurt before. I am messed up too. I am too busy. Some of us don't even come to church on a regular basis because we special. How much sense does I make? You're a branch, man. There's no branch without the vine. And the vine's life is grounded in what goes on in the life of his church. He says it. When you see this vine branch illustration, the Jews see it, they're not thinking, you know, me and Jesus, you know, I'm with the vine because I'm at home just crying and me and Jesus. No, man. That's that new individualistic American crap. What the Bible is talking about is the vine is the body of Christ branched all around, around one Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Please do not allow yourself to be special and extra. You know what the extra special branches in this passage look like? They're the ones God cuts off. Cuz they want to be special. If you want to be special, you get cut off. Or you cut yourself off from the vine. Please don't be special. So don't get me wrong. You have issues, you have problems. We all have issues and problems, but there's only one true vine. But we make it about the branches and not the vine. The branches ain't true, the vine's true. The branches ain't right, the vine's right. Jesus says this in verse 6. I don't need to go much longer here. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire. I ask it this way. Who will miss your love and friendship for them if you were cut off? In their life, if you were to fall off from this fellowship, they brothers and sisters like you have been called and reborn in Jesus. And they got all kinds of problems. And maybe, maybe they're not exactly like yours, but there's only one exact way to get it fixed. And that's abiding in the vine and helping each other abide in the vine. And to not make it about being cared for and loved by each other. The world is hating on them. The devil is lying to them. Sin is pulling them down and out. They're losing hope and struggling in their lives and will miss out without your place and part of love in the body. And those who fall, to, f- fail to love will not make it out here either. Selfish Christianity served me and my special needs, and I am different than others. No one has been like hurt like me. I'll do it on my own. People will feel the dryness of lack of fruit and enjoying their lives. And let me tell you the symptoms. You become a special interest believer where the church's ministry has failed if it has failed to address your special concern that you measure people's Christianity based on these important little problems you have that God is only God and Jesus truly divine and the church the church if it seems to be giving attention to the way you want, to, according to the way you want your struggle and problem dealt with. Fading and unabiding faith looks like a crusade. A kill and slash and tongue lash on all who don't hold as important what you hold important. And there's a thin line where your self love will quickly become the fuel of hate. You will hate those in the church who don't align with your special interests or your timing or your politics or your religious expression. Let me ask you something that will tell you everything in this area. What is important to the person next to you right now? You know it's important to you. What about the person to your front, to your side? And then some married couples don't even know that, and they next to each other. That's love. That's friendship. That's what Jesus has given us. It's a glorious thing if we don't individualize it. But we'll fail miserably to obey God and love each other if we don't see the big picture here. This is good news. Because we need that to survive. That kind of love, that kind of abiding. The big point good news is the beginning and end to this whole thing is the presence and power of a true vine for our lives, that we find relief in being the branches and not the vines, of branches who have a vine, who is a true vine, Jesus, that in order for us to bear fruit, to be obedient, to love people of God, we are called and created to be, Jesus must remain in us. Here's what the Jews want to know in this vine illustration. How? How do we stand? We know we're supposed to love God. We know we're supposed to obey. We know we're supposed to love each other, but how? It's barren out of here. And many like us are wondering, have we been obedient enough that we feel the heat of the world's evil and hardship and hatred, and we were cut off from the true vine, and Jesus clearing some good news. I am the true vine, and I come to abide in people like you. Look with me at verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Jesus chose people, y'all, and he connected his life to branches, get this, that were ready for the fire. Understand where your life was before Jesus came in or where your life would be. There is no way you can bear fruit by just determining in yourself you're going to love or determining yourself you're going to be God. Hey, you know, I woke up this morning and I decided I'm going to be obedient to God. Good luck. You're headed to the fire. I woke up this morning. I decided I'm going to love everybody. Get ready. You'll be on the Oprah show because you'll be better. You'll be in counseling next week. What happened? I decided I was going to love everybody. This thing between us and God and each other doesn't happen because we have been obedient and loving. Our obedience and love for God, now hear this carefully, and each other are but symptoms, right? They're but offshoots of the vine, they're not ours. It's not our fruit. It's the fruit of the vine coming out on the branches. Jesus has rebirthed us not to be not to be burned up and failed but to bear fruit and so get this what the vine has it gets and gains it passes on to the vine so jesus talks about the love between him and the father passed on to them that just as he kept his father's commandments the benefits of his obedience becomes ours you know why we stand righteous you know why you're a branch that bears fruit do you know why you're a branch that that can stand before god and be fine being a branch in, in this living vine and because you haven't been perfectly obedient because because the vine has been perfectly obedient. How can he even take the risk to love the Bible tells us, because the vine loved God and us perfectly. He laid down his life. The Bible says he was actually cut off, just like the branches that were meant for fire, and he experienced hell. But he got back up on the third day, and he became the living vine for those who should be cut off and thrown into the fire. His benefits are ours. Jesus is the vine. I know you're struggling. Especially when I talk about all this stuff about friendship and all that and loving God and obeying him. I know you will struggle. But if you are in the vine, if Jesus is yours and you are Jesus, let me tell you what that means. The Bible says that God will become your vine dresser. That means God's gonna take special care of your life, and He's gonna shape it, and He's gonna prune it, and He's never going to give up on you the branch, regardless of how hard it gets for you to live what He's called you to do. If you're in the vine, you got God's full attention. You have God's full care. If you're connected to the vine, you have no fear but freedom to serve and fail sometimes and repent and be pruned because the promise of the vine is the promise that God will not leave you, that God will not forsake you, that God will make sure your life bears fruit. We love. We obey in hard times, other times, because the power of Jesus is at work through you. So guess what? You and I, because of Jesus, ultimately will love and will obey and will sacrifice and will grow and will endure and will persevere and will worship and will yet praise and glorify him anyhow, anywhere, in any circumstance, because Jesus abides still and remains your vine. I don't know what you're connected to for life. or who you may have believed you were connected to or how you were connected. Maybe you're living in condemnation that this whole please God thing was up to you and about your ability to do good. Jesus is the true vine. Good news. God has given us divine intervention.